Well, several years ago, uh, ABC's 2020 did a segment on baby chickens, baby chicks that were packaged and marketed. And these tiny chicks traveled on a conveyor belt past workers who selected specific ones to fit into a box to be shipped out and sold. Now, they were chosen, these chicks were chosen by sex, size, and basically general appearance, which of course meant that some were not going to be chosen. Some of the chicks were not going to be chosen. And so the cameras followed these baby chicks as they slipped by workers and fell off the end of the conveyor belt to die. And yet, guys, I saw that and I thought back of that. I saw it many years ago and I thought back of that particular uh, segment. And in some ways, it feels very similar to the way that our world is today. If you don't fit into this nice, neat little package, you're discarded or rejected. But fortunately, listen to me, fortunately, the cross declares that this is not the way God deals with us. This is absolutely not the way with God, that God deals with his children. God doesn't choose us because we fit into a nice little box. He doesn't place us into groups based on how smart we are or, or how we look or whether we're male or female or even by the color of our skin. No, God simply chose us. And that really is the theme of this series that we're in today. It's called Chosen. And to help you understand or to help us understand that we have been chosen by God, not because he's stuck with us, but because he absolutely loves us. And honestly, friends, I think it's really hard for us to imagine. I think it's really hard for us to wrap our brains around the depth of God's love for us. We say, if, if I were to say to you today, how many of you believe that God loves you? Everybody would raise their hands and we all would give lip service to that and acknowledge the fact that God loves us. But I don't think sometimes we really understand the depth of God's love in our life, which is why you will hear me oftentimes remind you that you matter to God. You matter to God. And not only does he love you, but he chose you. Before the world was even made, he chose you. Before sin entered the world, God chose you. Before you even were in your mother's womb, God chose you. So I'm going to say it to you again. God is not stuck with you. He picked you. He chose you. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests and a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And then we see, we see Jesus say in John chapter 15, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So the question becomes then, why would God choose you? Well, it's certainly not because of anything that you've done, and it's not because God owes you or because he's obligated to you. It's simply, my friends, that he loves you and that he wants to be in relationship with you. Friends, I know it's hard to imagine, but it really is that simple. 
Now, guys, if you're a guest today at Northview, we're, we welcome you. We're so glad that you're here. We are in week two of a six-week spiritual growth campaign called Chosen. We do this every fall, and it's a, it's a time of year. School's starting back up, and as we come back together, we're saying, you know what? This is a time to focus in on discipleship. This is a time to focus in on something that will help move the ball spiritually down the court to help us grow in our faith and to become more like Jesus. We're talking about what does it mean to be chosen by God, to have our identity in Christ. And we're talking about, I spent more time last week on this, but we're talking about the fundamentals of Christianity, the basics, the ABCs. Why is that important? Oftentimes people will say to me, well, Steve, you know, I I really want to get into the deep stuff of God's Word. I really, and that's all good and fine, and I think that's that's encouraging to hear. But friends, sometimes we're trying to get so deep we miss the fundamentals. And the fundamentals, once we understand the fundamentals of Christianity, we begin to understand a a foundation for our faith. We begin to understand what it really means to be a follower of Christ. So last week we talked about who God is. Today we're going to talk about our freedom in Christ. Now, the Scripture says that we were born slaves to sin. We were born slaves to sin. In John chapter chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Friends, we're no longer our own. The Scripture makes it clear we have been bought with a price. You know, we think think of ourselves as independent. We think of ourselves as self-empowered. I don't need anybody. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I, I I don't need any help from anyone. And yet, apart from Christ, hear me please, apart from Christ, we are absolutely slaves to sin. Sin has a hold or a grip on our life. Before you step across the line of faith and invite Jesus Christ into your life, before that took place, the Scripture makes it clear that sin had a hold on you. It had a grip on you. And once you invite Jesus into your life, that hold, that sin, is broken. And there's nothing that we can do to earn our freedom from that terrible slave master of sin. But guys, here's the good news. Jesus stepped in and he paid a very high price for your forgiveness. He paid a very high price so that you could be set free from that hold on your life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, for you know that God paid a ransom. You know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. After Jesus gave his life in payment for our life, God put his permanent seal on us. The Scripture tells us that God put his permanent seal on us, which is the Holy Spirit, making us his own. In Colossians chapter 1, and I shared with you that uh, in the spring I'm going to do a series on Colossians, but in Colossians chapter 1 it says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. Now, when Jesus talks about freedom, he's not talking about freedom from behind bars. He's not talking about political freedom. He's talking about a spiritual freedom that can only come through him. And yet, I'm not sure we always grasp that. We say we do, but I'm not sure we always understand that. 
So many Christians today are living defeated lives. Please hear me on this, guys. So many people say, you know, when I ask the question to people and say, well, do you believe that Christ set you free from sin's hold in your life? Absolutely. Do you believe that you've been forgiven? Absolutely. Do you believe that he loves you? Absolutely. And yet when you look around at believers today that are living defeated lives, it's because they really don't believe that. They really have not wrapped their brain around the fact that Christ has set us free. And so, and so therefore, there are so many people that not only live defeated lives, their lives are stressed out, their lives that are overcome by worry instead of the abundant life that Christ promised us. Guys, this freedom that we're talking about is not freedom to attend church or not to attend, not to attend church. It's, it's not freedom to read the Bible or not to read the Bible. We're talking about a freedom to live the abundant life that Jesus promised us, to live the abundant life that Jesus wants us to experience, to be fully surrendered and committed to him. In John chapter 8, verse 36, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. This is a great passage. It's a powerful passage with some pretty encouraging words. So if the Son sets you free, you know, so it's almost like Jesus is speaking this to a group of Christians that say, well, yeah, I believe he set me free. And it's like Jesus is saying, well, then why are you living such defeated lives? Why are you so discouraged? Why are you experiencing so much depression? Because if the Son sets you free, which we know in fact that he did, then you are truly free. So live like it. Instead of walking around with condemnation, instead of walking around with this ball and chain or these burdens that you're hanging on to, Christ set you free from that. And yet while all of this is great news, what have we actually been freed from? When I make those statements that Christ set us free, what have we actually been freed from? Well, today I want us to consider two things. If you're taking notes, two things I want us to talk about. What has Christ freed us from and what has Christ freed us to? Number one, Christ has freed us from the bondage of sin. Christ has freed us from the bondage of sin. In the original Greek language, this word freedom means to liberate. It means to exempt from liability. But for someone to be liberated, you first have to be bound or imprisoned. In fact, the very definition of captive is a person who is confined, a person who's confined, which is exactly what we were. We were bound, we were confined. You and I were under the bondage of sin. In other words, we were held captive. Listen, this, I think this will help. In other words, we were held captive by the impulses of sin. We were held captive by the impulses of sin. Do you ever get impulses to sin? Well, of course, all of us do. Every single one of us do at times. And before we were saved, before we were believers, before we stepped across the line of faith, we had no power to overcome those temptations. Sin was our ruler and it held us captive. Now, you do understand this doesn't necessarily mean you were living some wild kind of lifestyle because I've had people push back on that and they'll say, well, Steve, you know, you talk about that I was, that I was bound to sin, but before I was a Christian, I was still a pretty good person. You know, I was a rule follower, and, you know, I tried to respect people that are around me, and I tried to be a good neighbor, and I tried to be a good co-worker, and so I wasn't this bad person. That's not actually what I'm saying at all. This simply means that the primary authority in your life was your sinful nature, that your primary 
authority in your life was your sinful nature. Your sinful nature was in control. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, Paul refers to sin as your master controller. But again, when you stepped across that line of faith and you invited Christ into your life, God gave you a new nature and He filled you with His Holy Spirit. So you were no longer held captive by the impulses of sin. Paul sums this up in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 when he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So because the Holy Spirit lives in you, if, you're, if you've stepped across the line, you've invited Jesus Christ into your life, then my friends, the Holy Spirit lives within you. That's the seal that it's talking about. When God seals you, He puts His Holy Spirit into your life, all right? And so with the Holy Spirit living in your life, you are free. Secondly, number two, Christ has freed us from the consequences of sin. Listen, guys, don't we all know that our actions bring consequences? Don't we all know then when we make mistakes or that when we blow it or when we make poor choices that our actions bring consequences? Sure we do. You know, you steal something and when you get caught, you're going to have to either make restitution or you're going to have to pay in, pay back some way for what you've done. You know, there's an old adage that probably some of you have heard before that if you pound a nail into a board, you can pull the nail out but the hole still remains. If you pound a nail into a board, you can pull the nail out, but the hole still remains. So when you make a poor choice, there is always going to be consequences for that choice. Romans 6.23, you're familiar with that, says for the wages, the penalty, the price of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages or penalty for that sin is death, but God's gift is eternal life. So guys, here's what all of us need to understand. Without Christ in our life, there's an eternal death sentence. Do we really get that? I mean, seriously, guys, that's pretty heavy when you think about it. Without, if, if your neighbors, if your coworkers, if your family members have not invited Jesus Christ to come into, our, into their life, they've not stepped across the line of faith, there is an eternal death sentence. Whether, whether that person understands that or not, your coworkers, neighbors, or family members, if they've not surrendered their heart to Christ, they're on death row. They're on a path to be separated from the very presence of God for all eternity. But thankfully for us and thankfully for them, the story doesn't end there. In this particular verse, Paul tells us that the free gift from God is the hope and the promise of eternal life through Christ Jesus. So when we step across the line of faith, Jesus Christ sets us free. He takes away that death sentence. And He literally shifts our eternal destination to heaven. We were headed to eternal destruction. We were headed, because of our sin, we were headed to hell. But once we step across the line of faith, once we ask Jesus to come into our life, He literally shifts our eternal destination to heaven. Number three, Christ has freed us from the guilt and shame of sin. This is such a problem for people today. Seriously, Christ has freed us from the guilt and shame of sin. There are so many believers that are burdened down. There are so many people stuck in their spiritual life because of the shame and guilt, and it's keeping them from living free. Have you ever experienced guilt? 
Have you ever felt shame for things that you've done in the past? It's a silly question, I know, because all of us have done things that we're embarrassed about. All of us have done things that we're ashamed of, things that we wish we could take back, things that we wish we'd have never done. We all have the capacity to relive our bad moments wondering, why did we do that? We sit around thinking about what I did last month, what I did last year, maybe what I did a few years ago, still wondering, why in the world did I do that? Guilt and shame overwhelm us. Condemnation. It can haunt you and hold you back from what God wants to do in your life. I may have shared this story with you before, but I read about a guy who cheated on his income taxes, and he felt so guilty about it, he wrote a letter to the IRS saying, to whom it may concern, enclosed you will find $150. Last year, I cheated on my tax return and have not been able to sleep ever since. If I still have trouble sleeping, I'll send you the rest. <laughs> we all deal with guilt. Through the years, I've struggled with feelings of guilt in my own life. It's one of, the, one of the chapters in my book is on guilt because I believe that it's a bad habit that gets a hold on our life, that gets a grip on our life. It's certainly been one that I've struggled with on several occasions. My wife has said to me, Steve, you're driven by feelings of guilt and it's just not healthy. I mean, it's to the point she's recognized it and she's seen it in my life. Now, as a believer, I know I've been set free from guilt. I know I've been set free from shame. And yet, there are still those times I fall for the lies of the devil. There's still those times I get sucked into his deception. In fact, I believe guilt, listen, I believe that guilt is one of the biggest weapons in the devil's arsenal. Satan has this one-two punch. First, he hits us with a left jab of temptation, and then he quickly follows it up with a right hook of guilt and shame. So he tempts you, and then he quickly comes back and says, you call yourself a Christian and have those kinds of thoughts. And so if he doesn't hurt you with the first one, you say, no, I stand up to it. Then he comes back and he says, you call yourself a believer? And then you're overwhelmed like, oh my gosh, the guilt, I did have those kind of thoughts. Satan's a liar. And if you believe his lies, the guilt will eat away at you. Jesus tried to make that clear to us when he said the devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. Guys, when you repented of your sins, God forgave you. You have been set free. Listen, you have been set free from your guilt and from your shame. That's what Paul was trying to get across to us in Romans chapter 8 when he said, so now there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation, there is no shame, there is no guilt for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Our sin has been, given, has been forgiven. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Not only are you free from your sin, but you're also free from the shame. You, guys, you do not have to carry that burden around anymore. Stuart Briscoe said, there is unspeakable joy for the person who knows release from guilt and the release of forgiveness. Christian Hipheart hip-hop artist Lecrae said this, guilt says you failed, shame says you're a failure, grace says your failures are forgiven. Listen, guys, the best way to silence the devil's accusations in your life, hear me on this, the best way to silence the devil's accusation in your life is by turning to Christ and walking in freedom. So it's like what I'm trying to, th th this, what I'm trying to share with you today is huge. 
If you really can begin to grasp and understand what it means to live in freedom in Christ, it will set you free. It'll, it will be, you know, Jesus says, cast your cares upon me because you care. He cares for us. Cast your cares on me because he cares for us. And once I learn to do that, then I learn to live in the freedom that Christ wants me to experience. Number four, Christ freed us from worry. You see, all of these things are things that are holding us back and keeping us from the freedom that Christ expected us to experience. Corey Tim Boom once said this. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. You can't read the Bible, guys. Listen, you can't read the Bible without seeing that worry is a sin. Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, when he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I've heard it said, I've also read that 40%, well, I forgot one, worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's trouble. I'm not sure who the author of that was, but it's a great statement. This next statistic, 40% of the things that we worry about will never happen. Now think about this. 30% of the things that we worry about are over and can't even be changed. 12% of our worries are needless ones about our health. 10% of our time is spent on petty miscellaneous concerns. 8% of the things we worry about are, now think about that, out of all the things we worry about in a day, 8% of the things that we worry about are legitimate concerns that we actually can do something about. So what does that mean? That means that 92% of our worries are absolutely unnecessary. And, let, and yet think about how much time we spend worrying and fearful and anxious. Friends, I've shared, you know, I, I've shared this with you before, but if you will just believe Listen to me, if you will just believe and trust in God's goodness, that's why I had him bring these back out. Many of you have been here and you'll remember me talking about this before. But if you will just believe in God's control and God's goodness, you will experience a peace that passeth all understanding. It's like, instead of as a Christian, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm fearful because of everything going on in my life. When I come back to the truth and the reality that God is in control, you know, when I read the newspapers and I see all the horrific things that are going on in our world today, and it's like, I have to be reminded that, you know what? God's in control. He's got this. I don't understand it. I don't know where we're going as a nation. I don't know where we're going in our world globally. But I know God's got this. And I also know that God's, I, know, I believe God's goodness, that He absolutely loves me, that He absolutely wants the best for me, that, that no matter how I've messed up, that no matter how I fail, he loves me. And so the point is that if I stand between these two pillars in my life of God's control and God's goodness, anxiety, worry, and fear are going to go down and peace is going to come up. The only time in your life, think about this, the only time in your life that you're going to experience anxiety and fear is when you step outside these two pillars. And the moment you step outside of them, then peace goes down and anxiety and worry start to go back up. So, and you may say, well, Steve, I'm kind of getting there. I believe that God's got this. I do believe that he's in control. I just sometimes wonder if he loves me. Well, that's not going to cut it. You're still going to have anxiety and fear and anger rise. 
Or you could be the other way. You can say, well, I know that God loves me, but sometimes I look about what's happening in our world, and I don't know if he's got this or not. And either way, anxiety is going to rise. So if you want peace to rise up in your life, you have to make a determination, I'm going to stand between these two pillars no matter what. When the Son sets us free, Scripture says we are free indeed. And He wants to set us free from the destructive power of worry. Guys, when you understand what Christ has freed you from, it sets the stage for you to live in what Christ has freed you to. So then what has Christ freed you to? Number one, He has freed you to live a new life. He's freed you to live a new life. Through Christ, we begin to experience a new life because of His guidance and direction in our daily lives. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That's what Scripture says. That's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creature, a new creation. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. So it's you being intentional. It's you making up your mind that I'm going to walk in God's Spirit. I don't want to experience all this anymore. I want to experience the freedom that Christ intended for me to experience. It's telling us when we allow the Spirit to lead us, we'll no longer be forced to live in the bondage to the desires of our flesh. We'll no longer have to live angry, jealous, hateful, selfish lives. We'll no longer have to live under the guilt and condemnation or any of the other characteristics of a sinful lifestyle. So guys, listen to me. If you've accepted God's gift of salvation, why in the world would you choose to continue to live in bondage to the same old lifestyle? And I'm, I'm, saying that, I'm saying that to every one of us because you've got to be honest with yourself today. But I see this so much today, it's concerning. People that I know are believers, I know for a fact that you've stepped across the line of faith and I know that you've invited Jesus Christ to come into your life, and yet I still see them continue to live defeated lives. I see them still continue to live discouraged, heavy, burdened lives. And that's not at all what Christ intended for you. But you've got to choose, you've got to be intentional to live in the freedom that Christ paid his price, laid down his life for. In Titus chapter 2, he says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Many people want the promise of heaven when they die. And they, and, they want to live like the, and they want to live like the rest of the world while they're still, while they're still here on earth. It, did that make sense? So, so many people today, they, they want the promise of heaven. They want to know that I'm going to spend all eternity with Jesus Christ, and I look forward to that. But yet today, they're still living their life as they did before they found Christ. They want the guarantee of heaven, but they don't want to live according to the Scriptures. In fact, we see Jesus tell the disciples that if they continue to do what he taught them, they would then be his disciples. And as a result, they would be free to live a new life, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Now, Paul tells us that a little bit differently in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Whenever anybody steps across the line of faith, the veil, the darkness, the confusion, it, it's taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces, 
contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are free to become all that the Lord wants us to be, but we need to turn our lives over completely and totally to him. Uh, You know, I was sharing with a friend the other day that's just struggled spiritually and and he's successful business-wise, but he struggled spiritually. And I said, you know, if you can just get as fired up about the things of God as you do uh, your business, you might see a major difference. We need to turn our lives over completely to Christ. Guys, it's important for us, listen to me, it's important for us to understand that because we are free from the bondage or the guilt of sin, it will increase our capacity to love other people. It will increase our capacity to experience the joy of the Lord, to experience His peace, and to enjoy the abundant life that God so desires for us to experience, which in turn will increase our capacity to have a healthy relationship with Jesus, to have a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. On the other hand, Guys, I'm just trying to get you to see this will never happen unless Christ sets you free. You will not have a vibrant, living, loving relationship with God or with anyone else as far as that goes if you continue to hold on to the guilt and the shame of your past. Now, maybe you remember in, in Genesis, right out of the gate, in Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned. Chapter three, they sinned. And it said that they, what do they do? After they sin and God's calling out their name, what do they do? They hide. And their capacity for relationship with God was hindered. So guys, what I'm trying to get you to see is that since Jesus has set us free, we don't have to hide anymore. We can now enjoy a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. Listen, listen friends, God wants to be in relationship with you. I said this last week, and I've said it many, many times before, the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all about relationship. It's all about God wanting to be in relationship with you and with me. He wants to be in fellowship with you. And the only way that happens is through our freedom in Christ. That's why this is such an important fundamental in the Christian faith. This allows you to build that relationship without fear or worry. That's why Paul said, I love it, one of my favorite passages, I love Philippians anyway, but one of my very favorite passages, Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death. I read that and I I hear the heart of Paul. It's more than anything else in his life, Paul just wanted to know Jesus. He wanted his relationship with Jesus to continue to grow. I want that in my life. Don't you want that in yours? We have to be intentional. You know, you can now enjoy a relationship with God because you know that He chose you, because you know that He's removed all of the hindrances that might get in the way. The second thing I wanted you to see, number two, is that He has freed you to serve. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, for we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece, some translations say, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So another reason that Christ has freed you is because he has a work for you to do. He has a job for you to do. He has a ministry for you to complete. You are not saved. Listen, guys, you are not saved by works, but you are saved to work. I hope you heard the difference. You're not saved by works, but you're certainly saved to work. 
God has given you specific gifts and talents because he has a plan for your life. However, you're not likely to achieve that plan if you are running around with a guilty conscience or if you're always trying to prove yourself or trying to win the approval of other people. Remember, guys, you have been saved by grace, you live by grace, and God will accomplish his plan in your life by grace. So it's not that we serve God simply trying to win his approval. You know, sometimes, you know, people say, well, I need to get involved serving the Lord. I feel really guilty. There you go again. I feel really guilty. And I got to just stop and tell you, I've been driven by this so much in my life, I know what I'm talking about. There have been so many times that my motivation has been wrong. I'm I'm trying to serve God because I want to make Him happy. I want Him to be pleased with me rather than just because I love Him, just because I want to serve Him. So it's not that we serve God simply because we're trying to win his approval. No, our approval doesn't come because of what we do. Our approval comes because of what Christ has already done on the cross. And guys, when you understand that, you are then free to accomplish the plan that God has for your life with no agenda, with no ulterior motive, simply out of the heart motivated by our love for God. You know, in the dictionary, Uh, Freedom is defined as the power or the right to act, speak, or think. The power or right to act, speak, or think without hindrance or restraint. That's what Christ wants for you, and that's what he wants for me. Now, some of you would quickly push back and say, but Steve, I just don't deserve it. No, you don't, and I don't. But Christ paid a heavy price so that you could freely experience it. Christ laid down his life so that you and I could experience abundant life and that abundant life can only happen and come when we understand what it means to be free in Christ. I wanna close today, but I wanna give you one more thing before I do. I wanna encourage you with this last verse. Just determined to make Galatians chapter 5, 1, there's going to be a verse that you live by. It would be one of those verses that I would encourage you to mark in your Bible. It's one of those verses I would encourage you to memorize. I would encourage you to put it on your refrigerator, whatever. It's a verse to live by. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, it is for freedom. See, guys, uh, this sums up everything I've talked to you about today. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So the reason he died on the cross was not just to forgive us our sin. He wanted us to experience freedom from the shame and the guilt. He wanted us to experience freedom from the bondage and the burden and the condemnation that the enemy's going to continually try to put on you. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Paul is talking to the church at Galatia. And he's saying, oh my gosh, you guys, you all, this, they were all brand new Christians, they're new believers, and they had invited Christ into their life, and they're, they've stepped away from the things of the world, and they're following, and then these false teachers come, on, come in and start lying to them, and all of a sudden, they're stepping away from their freedom, and they're burdened down again. And Christ says, man, and Paul says, man, don't do that. Don't step away from the freedom that Christ purchased for you. Live the life that Christ has freed you to live. 